Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Welcome to a Tuesday episode of the State of the Nova Nation. I'm Eugene Rapay. He's Chris Danziel. Chris, never a doubt. Never a no. doubt. No, I mean, come on, right? Fall down 13. We had him right where we wanted him. It was like a rope-a-dope, you know? We, we got we got the, the Georgetown Hoyas feeling like, oh, they're going to steamroll us to finish the game. And, uh, you know, down 18, it was, it was all part of the plan. It was all part of the plan. Clearly. Clearly, because obviously this team is a second-half team, so they just wanted to give Georgetown the, the hope and then rip it away just like any good <laughs> rival would. Am I right? God. We're going to get to that game in a little bit. A little but uh, the only thing that matters, I guess you could say, is that we won, which was nice. Start off Biggie's play, 1-0. Always a good thing. No DePaul game last night, so we had a little bit of a break, which was good. We're going to have Butler – confirmed coming up on wednesday so we're going to talk about that but first chris i just want to take a quick look at the polls came out yesterday afternoon villanova moving on up they are now number seven and then you have creighton the only other big east team represented in the top 25 they dropped a couple slots after pushing kansas to a very very exciting game they are now at number nine as for the rest of the big east nothing else except for the receiving vote section where you can find Xavier and UConn. Yeah, so Biggie's still holding serve pretty much. You know, that Creighton game against Kansas, I thought that happened like two, three weeks ago. That seems like forever ago. I did not realize it affected this poll, and Creighton didn't take that big of a hit, only dropping one down from eight to nine. Yeah, Creighton's still looking good, and they probably probably should have won that Kansas game, but, you know, that's you know, neither here nor there. Uh, and also Villanova-related Virginia Tech, they – actually made it into the polls last week at 15. They are now out of it. So that loss looking a little bit worse this week. But again, there's so much season to play. Not the worst thing in the world. Yeah, and we also beat Texas, who moved up to number 11. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to look past that. You know, like I said, after that tough loss, you beat Hartford, and then we beat Texas on the road. And it's like, okay, thing of the past, thing of the past. You know, I think our dichotomy there, Eugene, and on just just sports in general, was perfectly exemplified there. You focusing on the positive, uh, oh, you know, the team we beat bumped up a couple spots. Meanwhile, I focus on the team that we lost to, and now they dropped all the way down. Good. I, I love it. Remember how when we first kind of started out the show, you were like the, the giddy fan, and then I was like the, I don't know, Chris. <laughs> and the, the, cost, the super cautious, like I, I say this very loosely because it wasn't too optimistic, I'd say, but super cautiously optimistic mm-hmm. persona here. Yep. 
and we have exi- flipped those roles on ahead on its head. I am now a grouchy old man in a chair, and you're just excited to be uh, just to be excited to be watching this. Just excited to see the ball go through the hoop. Just excited yeah. to see the ball go through the hoop. That's all. I wonder what made us change. We'll have to dig deep through the archives to see what the hell happened there. <laughs> funny. It's funny how far we've come. Six seasons later, five seasons later. A little bit, yeah. So about this Georgetown game, mm. Big East tip-off. I remember last time we were on the show, we were saying, oh, yeah, you know, Javon Blair, Jamarco Pickett, Cutis Wahab. Those are some guys to watch out for if, if you want. But – I think Villanova will win this one comfortably. Now, if you looked at just a box score or just the, the final score, 76-63, double-digit lead, Baker's dozen difference, you would have thought, oh, okay, you know, Villanova just took care of business. But if you actually got to sit down, stomach the entire game from start to finish, you would have known that there was probably millions of Villanova fans out there in the world dying throughout that first half because that first half was – Wow. <laughs> Just wow. Like, we've sat through being <laughs> Ethan raggied. We've sat through the Oklahoma yeah. game. We've sat through other depressing starts, and that one was was there. Just because it was Georgetown, and we thought we were going to win pretty comfortably. Yeah, for sure. It started to feel a little bit like a combination of that first Oklahoma game and the raggy game, in the sense that it seemed like Georgetown couldn't miss, but – you know, they didn't have a singular player, but although Jamarco Pickett was kind of stepping up early and hitting shots from the outside left and right, and then Cutis Wahab was just a monster inside, especially in the first half. And I'm just like, okay, I guess this is actually going to happen. Like, just like <laughs> – like, look, Villanova lost to Georgetown two years ago at Georgetown. They lost – they almost lost to them last year. So it wasn't completely out of the realm of possibility, but, like, you would have expected a little bit more fight, a little bit more of an effort. And the fall down 13 in the first half was a little concerning, but you did in the back of your mind, you did say to yourself, at least I did, was like, okay, there's no way they keep this up. Georgetown anyway, offensively. There's no way they keep it up. Villanova's got to eventually probably scrap its way back into this. Maybe not win it, but they should definitely work their way back into this. And it took seven minutes in the second half, and they were right back in it. Colin going off, Caleb Daniels going off, Cole Slider even getting involved and going off, all shooting big-time threes, hitting big shots, and to basically go off on that end. And then on the defensive end, they only allowed 17 second-half points to Georgetown. Regression is one hell of a drug, Eugene, I got to say. That was certainly something. I know in in the back of my mind, it was like saying, oh, you know, it's okay. We're a second-half team. I wasn't so sure if I really believed it because the defense seemed a little lost at times. Georgetown was hitting everything, which was so uncharacteristic of them. It made you think, like, oh, is this – is this just their day? Like, are they just really going to go off on us right now? This is a team that doesn't really shoot that well from deep, but I guess, you know, 50% from long range, I guess all the stars are aligning for the Hoyas. The frustrating part was, like, yeah, Georgetown played Nova tough last year, and they beat the Wildcats a couple years ago. Horrible, horrible upset loss. But this was also a team that lost to Navy. I was <laughs> like, where was that team? I wanted that Georgetown team to come out. Well, you got them in the second half. Oh, we got more than enough well, of them in the second half. In the second half. Yeah, that that was pretty pitiful on Georgetown's end on the offensive side. But you got to credit the defense, man. They they locked down. They figured it out. 
they, they were leaving a lot of guys open in that first half, especially along the wings. And I don't think we really touched upon it against Texas. A couple of the open threes Texas had were wide open corner shots, which have always seemed to be a problem for this team. But Georgetown, it was uh, very apparent in the first half, but they, they figured it out. And when you figure that out defensively and your shots on your end are going down left and right. I mean, like I said, Gillespie and Caleb Daniels, probably the two biggest ones going three and four and three and three from deep respectively in the second half, the comeback was like, you snapped your fingers and it was already ba- it was already done. Yeah, it was an insane run by Villanova to come out of the break. Like that's one of those you talk about all the time. Let's come out of the break. Let's get a few baskets, build some momentum. But Villanova didn't just come out of the break and get a few baskets. They I don't know what happened. They kicked it into like ultra gear. Like it was hyperspeed right out of the gate. 18 and a four run to take the lead, capped off by Caleb Daniels three. A little back and forth, but then at the end, another huge run by the Cats. The three-point shooting was excellent by Caleb Daniels and Colin Gillespie, as you mentioned, Chris. The defense was even better. You hold Georgetown to 17 second-half points, 26% overall on the floor. That's not very good. And then for a team that was lights out in the first half from long range, they only shot one of 11 in the second half. (laughs) <laughs> Meanwhile, Villanova was just firing at all cylinders, and then you start to see the comeback. Momentum starts to change. Georgetown starts to panic a little bit. Excellent second-half efforts all around. Final score, 76-63. Gillespie, Daniels, 18 points apiece. Five trays each. Daniels, big shout-outs to him. Did not have the greatest of first halves, but he really turned it on in the second half. And then you look elsewhere on the roster – Cole Swider chipping in 10 points off the bench. Brandon Slater, that huge posterizer. That That was fun. That was like, whoa. (laughs) We're seeing a lot more of those this year, Eugene, or at least attempted ones. That's fun. Yeah, especially with a guy like Slater. We've seen the athleticism before. We've seen him make some great blocks or on the defensive end. To see that throwdown when it happened, that was definitely a huge momentum boost as well. And credit his defense. He was he had the clamps on. He came in with his he did. with his pinchers and he did a great job containing Pickett and some of the other guys in the second half. Yeah, in games like these, especially when you're down thirteen at the end of one half, you're gonna need your bench to step up and Slater and Swider both did that. Like you said, Slater on the defensive end and chipping in a little bit offensively. And as I mentioned earlier, Swider hitting some big threes, but he also had some nice moves inside the arc. You know, put down the ball, dribble a little bit, let the guy jump right on by you, and you hit a nice easy mid range two. Hey, if you want to pull that out of your arsenal, I'm all for it. That was that was great to see. And also, you mentioned it earlier. I know we're all excited about the comeback in the second half and whatnot, and their initial comeback to get it to basically take the lead within less than seven minutes, I think it was. But then they fell behind again. And now, granted, it wasn't a big deficit. It was only three or four points. But then they ended the game on a 16-2 run, I think it was. That's absurd. So not only do you get the great comeback to come out of, out of the gate in the first half of the second half, then you close out the game on that way. That's really, really impressive because we were concerned that they might have a little bit – this team might struggle a little bit closing out. But then you saw against Texas they closed out, and now against Georgetown they've closed out with pretty seamlessly. Yeah, exactly. First they were on the ropes, came back, put Georgetown on the ropes, and then knocked them out, which was excellent because you don't want to start conference play with a loss, especially to your longtime rival who absolutely hates you. You can't have that. You just can't. So to see that resolve in the second half was amazing. 
because Chris, that that first half, I mean, we we didn't really talk about it too much, but that was, yeah, I don't, I don't, I still don't want to talk about it. Yeah, yeah, not not much going on, not much to get excited about there. Although, you know, we didn't really mention him, but Jermaine Samuels was kind of getting into the rim a little bit in the first half. He had a couple of drives where we're like, oh wow, that was out of nowhere. Like we do that more often, and we kind of saw it against Hartford. I was like, oh yeah, you should definitely do that more. Problem was with Jermaine though. The shots were not falling for him, especially early. And the one he did make didn't count, which yeah, was, the that, was yeah, that was that was rough. Yeah. Yeah. And when that didn't count, I was like, all right, this might be one of those games, even though you were st- still kind of thinking that they had a shot to come back because George, there's no way George Town kept it up. But like you see stuff like that happen, and you're like, oh, God. But, you know, at least Jermaine shot it. And we've seen him, you know, <laughs> defer many times before. But at least, hey, he had the confidence to shoot. And that's, you know, not, not the worst thing in the world. As long as everyone else is hitting them, like we said, that's fine. Yeah, I truly credit everyone on the roster who came in to the game from the starting five. You had guys shooting our way out of the deficit, but then the bench guys stepping up. We've seen Jay before, leaned with the starters a little bit more than we'd like. But in a game where we were trailing by as much as 18, double digits at half, needed a big second half comeback. You really let the bench guys play, and they I thought they all delivered great jobs doing their roles and doing their part. They did. They did. And even Eric Dixon didn't look half bad in his time. Yeah. I mean, granted, he had a tough task with Wahab and whatnot, but, you know, he, he still worked inside. He went to the foul line six times, hit four of them, which, you know, in the type of game like this, you needed. So, and I think one of them was to take the lead, too, or at least tie it. So, you know, he was, he was working, too. So, there was not – everyone seemed to contribute. Even, like, Justin Moore, who had a – Weaker game for him offensively. Still contributed with eight boards throughout the game. Assisted plenty of times as well. I think he finished with three assists. No, he had six. Six. Six six assists. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm looking at the second left box score. Yeah, he even finished with six assists, eight rebounds. So, you know, like I said, he's not contributing offensively. He's still doing a bunch of other stuff to make sure he's involved. One of our top secret rebounders. Yeah, man. He always seems to be in a good position. (laughs) Gets the long ones uh, on the weak side, it seems. I was just glad we survived. Like I mentioned before, you don't want to start a conference play with a loss. You especially don't want to take a loss to your rival. And, yeah, it wasn't ideal to go down like that in that first half. Sometimes, I guess, you know, we need a little scared to make sure, you know, everything, everything's all good. Everything's still working. Keep you on your toes and, you know, figure it out from there. But hey, look, they went into Georgetown and won. And we didn't mention this either. This was their first game in Georgetown's on campus arena i think it's called mcdonough is it yeah. McDonough's center? yeah mcdonough arena or mcdonough gymnasium right first time since 1982 that's a heck of a long time ago and i guess in times like these you're gonna see them playing in weird on-campus places and that makes me all more excited for when these games are at villanova i would love to see some games at jake nevin Am I right? <laughs> I don't know oh. if it's going to happen, Chris. I was thinking about that, though. I, was, I saw that, and I was like, oh, that reminds me of uh, Jake Nevin a little bit. Although I feel like Jake Nevin was slightly nicer. They do have the oddly placed stage there, but it's okay. That just makes it even better. It just, yeah, it just adds to the magic. It, it really does. But, hey, you know, went into Georgetown, you won. Came out with a win. Learned a lot. Saw this team come back, and that's all you can ask for. Road attitude. Road attitude. That's all you can ask for. Right. Oh, oh sorry. I misspoke. 1981. I believe the first appearance. Since. It's it's been a while. Yeah, so when you're off, don't crucify me. They had it on the broadcast. If I wrote it down wrong, I'm sorry. But yeah, long time. Long time. Long time. So no DePaul game last night, which obviously meant 
extended rest time for Villanova, which was great. The Butler game, we weren't sure if it was going to happen or not. We know that they had a COVID-related shutdown for a little bit, and we knew that their return date plus this game date would be a little bit too close. So we weren't sure. Would it get postponed? Would it get pushed back a day maybe? Canceled even? What was going to happen? But yesterday afternoon from the Villanova basketball office, they confirmed, locked it in. It's happening. Villanova versus Butler. Chris, right now it's not an ideal situation for the Bulldogs. You come back, two-week shutdown. You haven't played since November 25, your season opener, which you won. You're probably all sorts out of rhythm. Even with all those circumstances, I feel like if this was at Hickle Fieldhouse, it wouldn't matter. But because it's at home, feeling pretty good. I'm feeling pretty good. Yeah, me too. You don't know how Butler's going to come out. I mean, you would expect them to be a little bit rusty, a little bit slow out of the gate. Just because, like you said, they haven't played since November 25th. You know, that that's a long time. That's several weeks without any form of basketball action. I mean, God knows how long they've been practicing. Um, like you said earlier as well, they did beat Western Michigan in their lone game this year. Only beat them by four. Western Michigan isn't exactly a powerhouse. But, yeah, if this game doesn't get canceled – either due to COVID, like you said, I know you said it's locked in, but God forbid something were to happen, or even the snowstorm that's supposed to hit the East Coast on Wednesday and might shut it down too for some reason. If this game does happen, though, we've got to look out for, for Aaron Thompson. He was their leading, Butler's leading scorer in their last game, dropping 21 points. He's a uh, key player for them uh, and was pretty good last year. Bryce Enzi, I, I remember highlighting during our conference preview show, he's a big boy inside, eats Villanova alive every time they play, so please watch out for him. And then Jair Bolden, our boy from Westtown, he's a transfer in from South Carolina. He dropped 15 in the last game against West, Western Michigan. So he seems to be heavily involved on this offensive side, trying to replace some form of production left by Kamar Baldwin, who unfortunately had to leave due to graduation. Yeah, Aaron Thompson's an interesting guy. I remember shortly after we released our very brief, you know, quick little Big East preview around the conference, we talked about both the Bulldogs. I don't think he came up too much. But then a couple days later, there was like a fan vote for the Big East preseason awards. And he was actually named the preseason defensive player of the year. And I remember talking to you, Chris, I was like, uh, do I don't think we talked about this guy. Yeah, no. We, we highlighted we, him too much. You're like, who is he? And, of course, first game out, yeah, it was against Western Michigan, but he drops 21 and has a great <laughs> all-around game. Of course he does. Of course, yeah. We completely overlook him, goes out there, has a huge game. He only averages like eight points a year, and he goes out in the first game, drops 21. So, yeah, <laughs> figure that one out. Four assists and a couple steals to show Stable. for it, too. Yeah, no big deal. No big NBD, deal. NBD. Yeah. And, and Jair Bolden, you know, we, we've seen him as a facilitator, floor general, but he was chipping on all the boards. Their top rebounder right now, he grabbed nine <laughs> rebounds, which is pretty big for a point guard that's not the biggest out there. No, no. I guess he's kind of going to the Justin Moore school of, of rebounding right now. You know, small sample sizes are fun. You need one game and it's like, oh, yeah, Jair Bolden, top rebounder. <laughs> I really doubt that holds over the course of the year, but hey, you never know. You're really looking for the big guys, though. Bryce Enzi and Bryce Golden, the two Bryces, they're going to feast inside. And if Wahab, Wahab, or however you want to pronounce it, gave him problems, these two might and probably will. At least Enzi will, I, I happen to believe. Yeah, it's very interesting because very limited sample size. And it's not like we can go back to see what they did last year because they graduated a lot of their key players. And, and not just that, there's so many 
new pieces here, whether they were transfers in or whether they're freshmen. I believe we said it was like five or six new guys on in the rotation and on the roster. And you only had one game to really work things out. And then you got shut down for two weeks. That's got to be a blow to your momentum. So <laughs> they're probably scrambling right now. I can't imagine this is going to be an easy game for them. I, I guess I, I do give credit to Butler for wanting to play still, but I, then again, when you're racing the 13, you got to do what you got to do. You never know what can happen tomorrow or the next week. Right, exactly. You just never know. You got to get the games in some way or another. And hopefully this game does happen regardless of uh, any potential COVID outbreak or potential snowstorm canceling everything. So hopefully this gets in. But when this game does eventually get played at Finneran Pavilion, the first one of the year, I was going to say it's the first time Villanova's in their home jerseys, but that's incorrect. I think they wore them once in Bubbleville, and Villanova comes out with an easy dub, I say. Yeah, one thing to watch out for with Butler is that they weren't too great offensively. Like, yeah, they were able to scrape out a win and do a great job at the free throw line, but they really let Western Michigan light them up from long range. The Broncos shot 50% from deep. They splashed home nine threes. You look at a team like Villanova that obviously loves to shoot it, could be a long day for the Bulldogs. I'm with you, Chris. I think Villanova should win this one. Long layoff. You're back at home. Should be comfortable. No Hinkle magic. Check back with me, though, when we get the rematch in a couple months or whenever that is. Yeah, I mean, the Big East released their schedule, so I think we can uh, talk about that now, Eugene, right? Yeah, we totally can. Just wanted to let everybody know, Butler Bulldogs, tomorrow night, Villanova, Butler, 7 p.m. Eastern time. You can catch the game on Fox Sports 1. But, Chris, about that Big East schedule, the Big East gave us a little holiday gift. They, they answered the uncertainty. They released the rest of the regular season schedule. Not even just January, not just January and February. We're going all the way from now until March. I, while I do anticipate a few changes here and there, for the most part, it was interesting to see the Big East drop the rest of the schedule. Yeah, it was. I mean, we were – we said last week, like, we weren't even sure, like, after the Marquette game, if there was going to be any games whatsoever. We were thinking maybe they just go one by one, just schedule it on your own accord, and then they, they drop this, and that's that's pretty nice of them, I, I have to say. We know that Villanova has a Butler game. They obviously still have Virginia this Saturday. Then they also have the Marquette game on December 23rd, which was kind of like the last of the initial batch of regular season games for the Big East. After that, they'll take a week off for Christmas and then come back against St. John's on December 30th. But, Chris, you're looking at the rest of the list here. Anything sticks out to you? Creighton at the end. It, it almost seemed intentional. <laughs> <laughs> the two Creighton meetings are in February. Well, the first one's in February at Creighton, and then there's one, and the, sec- the last one's on March 3rd, that Wednesday, which is the second to last game of the year. That just has, you know, Big East regular season championship written all over it right there. And then, obviously, Villanova closes off at Providence, which, you know, they could very well blow the lead that they get by beating Creighton in Providence because we all know how those games go there. But, but yeah, I, I just – it's it's good to see uh, a little bit more heightened tension, I guess, building – or suspense, I should say, building towards uh, March when you get Creighton coming into Finneran to hopefully be a big-time game. That would be fun. Yeah, that should definitely be a big-time game. I was looking at that, and that, that was definitely the first thing that jumped out to me. Not a bad thing. Not a bad thing. Can definitely use a little bit more time mm-hmm. to get the troops ready. Mm-hmm. But I, I will say, Marcus Zagorowski, three free throws to tie the game against Kansas. Makes the first two. Breaks the third. 
Colin Gillespie would have missed that. Well, maybe maybe last year he doesn't. This year, I don't know. This year, the whole team's struggling from the free throw line, Eugene. He did make them, though, against Texas. He did. He did. He did. But he also had a bad miss against Virginia Tech. But if there is one guy on this team, yes, I would go with Colin. Yeah, we're coming for you, Greg McDermott. We're coming for you. (laughs) Mark your calendars. Um, (laughs) Get it circled. We all know they have it circled. So I got a question for you, though, Eugene, real quick. There seems to be a lot. Not a lot, but there's at least one, two, three gaps I see in the schedule where it's at least seven days. Definitely intentional, right, to potentially uh, yeah, I would, fit I would some ass- stuff in there. Yeah, I would definitely assume so. Just from looking at what other conferences are doing, like, for example, I know the, the MAC, like, they, <laughs> they released, like, a couple blocks towards the end of the season like a two-week empty window where it's just like, if we have any postponements or need to reschedule, boom, over here. Gotcha. And, and I know some other conferences worked in some leeway or some gaps to, for similar reasons as well. Villa, or The Big East, rather. The Big East decided to do it in the middle of the season, which is not a bad idea, rather than just kind of backloading everything at the end. Just mm-hmm. in case, you know, let's just say you go through the season fine and then you have to sit on your hands for two weeks. Like, that's not, that's not ideal. But yeah, yeah, I would say that's I definitely think. intentional. Yeah, for sure. And they didn't even they don't even have the Paul the the makeup for the Paul in here. That so was another yeah, that was another interesting one too. Yeah, so I'm sure it's gonna get thrown in. Like you see like January twenty third is uh, January thirtieth, there's a week gap, probably gets thrown in there. I, I'm assuming they're gonna try and make up those big five games. They'll get thrown in somewhere between UConn and Butler from February 20th to February 28th. It's eight days. You could probably get one or two in. I mean, probably just one. There would be a lot of basketball if uh, you get two in there. But, yeah, there's there's a lot of gaps in here, which make perfect sense. Doesn't seem like too many, you know, straight road games, straight home games. It seems to be two at the absolute most, um, which is nice. I, I know they always try to do that, but you see sometimes you'll see like a weird stretch. But I'd say probably the toughest stretch – Maybe that's at Seton Hall, at St. John's home against Xavier, then at Creighton, probably the roughest go. But even then, I don't even – Yeah, it wasn't just... like last year or the year before. Yeah. Remember that when they just had like four straight road games <laughs> and then one home game against right. a tough team and then three or four Dude. straight road games. Again. <laughs> yeah, that was uh, – that's not fun. Those seem to be not as apparent. Oh, well, now as I say that, I look at this other stretch. Home against UConn. At Butler, which we all know, problems. Home against Creighton and then at Providence, also problems. So maybe that, maybe that's probably the one. And that's to close out the year. But, but, yeah, there's nothing like too egregious out there where it's like, oh, yeah, like five ranked teams on the road and then you get your cupcake at home and then you go back on the road again. I will say I am looking forward to that Creighton game for sure. But also, you know, you look at your first matchup against UConn, the reunion, January 15, and then Seton Hall right after that, January 19. It's, it's going to be fun, Chris. It's going to be fun. I'm, I'm glad to see that the full schedule is out. It gives us something to look forward to at the same time. Always ready for any switches when they inevitably right. happen. Yeah, lightly pencil it in. Make sure you got a nice unused eraser because I'm sure it's going to be used <laughs> a lot. <laughs> it's I, I highly doubt this sticks to what it is, but one can only hope at this point. If it does, it's a great sign. Yeah, for sure. But you never know. Yeah, you never know. I will say, Iona, right in my backyard. Six reschedules already. That's Yeah, that's absurd. Yeah, insane. Well, Nova Nation, thank you for listening to today's episode. A little shorter today. Sorry about that. We'll get you next time with a mailbag. I do have a couple of meetings to run to this morning. 
They've got to make sure that the new writers don't embarrass themselves in front of Jay a little later this afternoon. So we might have some newer content coming out as well. So be on the lookout for that. And then, of course, we got the Butler game tomorrow, which is going to be big. Anytime Villanova basketball is back, always, always must watch TV. 7 p.m. once again, Eastern time, FS1. Definitely going to be sitting down and watching that one. Also, please subscribe to the show if you haven't already. You can find us at View Hoops or at State of the Nova Nation. You can do so on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, Megaphone, Podbean. You got many, many options. Please follow the website on social media, at View Hoops. That's good for Twitter and Instagram. You can also like our page on Facebook. And you can follow me, Eugene Repay, at Repay 5 And I'm Chris Danziel. I've got nothing to plug. Just stay safe, everybody. Nova Nation, have a happy Tuesday. We'll catch you back on Thursday. Hopefully we'll get a win tomorrow night. And we'll have nothing but good news to chat about on Thursday. Take care and have a good one. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical.